0: Welcome to Inspiring Teachers. I'm your host, Kimberly Burkhart. I'm an educator and mindset and life coach with over 20 years experience in the field. If you want to reignite your passion for teaching, reignite your students' passion for learning, and create a classroom community where you and your students feel content and inspired, then this podcast is for you. Let's ditch those Sunday night blues for you and your students. Hey, teachers, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Um, If you've been following me on social media, you've noticed I've been talking a lot about guided inquiry learning. And if you listen to my first two podcasts, you've kind of noticed my trend of the teacher being a facilitator of learning and stepping to the side and letting the kids learn. So um, I was kind of trying to decide what I was going to do this episode about. Like, where do I jump in? Where do I start? And I was listening to a podcast from my business coach. And she was talking about managers versus leaders. And I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that just hit the nail on the head. This totally applies to teaching. I've been trying for years to wrap my brain around how to explain how I led my classroom and how it's different and why my kids can be so independent and love being at school and love learning. And this was like a light bulb went off when she started talking about this. So, I'm going to talk about managers versus leaders today. Now, as we talk about this, I don't want you to become offended by any of this because we've all been there, but I want you to really reflect hmm, when am I being a manager and when am I being a leader? And this can apply in so many different parts of your life. So I want you to think about a manager. Think about a manager of a store, a manager of a business, your manager. A manager manages people, right? A lot of times they're just in charge of you. They tell you what to do. They do all the talking. talking, You have to do all the listening. And they micromanage things and they tell everybody what they're going to do and when. I don't know about you, but I haven't really had managers that I love to see. And I'm like, oh, here comes my manager. Oh, we're going to have a meeting with the manager. Normally, I'm like, oh, great. What are they going to make us do now? Oh, what did we do wrong now? You know, how is their way going to that they're going to tell us to be right? And I'm going to go turn around and do it my own way. Managers tend to micromanage, and oftentimes people don't get behind them. They avoid them, they hide from them. Teachers as managers, if they're in front of their students, talking at their students, telling students how they should sit, how they should talk, how they should behave, how they should learn, kids aren't going to get behind that. You're going to have your random few who just love learning and love school and they will do anything you tell them to. But the vast majority is not going to get behind a teacher like that. And unfortunately, we kind of were brought up where we went to school with a lot of teachers who were managers, and we were even taught how to be managers at teacher, as teachers. And we were taught how to do classroom management, us running the classroom, how we wanted it. We needed children to behave the way we wanted to, and how are we going to get them to do that? So friends, it's time for a better way and you've probably dabbled in the leader side, or maybe you do it a lot, or maybe you have a few things you're like, oh, I'm still dipping my toes in the manager side, and I need to work on that. You can be a leader as a teacher. So let's talk about leaders for a second. All right. So now I want you to think about a leader. A leader is usually somebody who inspires you, right? You get behind them. You support them. You're like, yeah, they're my leader. And they just they, they take good care of us and they want for us and you support that leader. It might be um, in politics. Maybe you have a leader that you really um, can get behind and you support them and you promote them. Um, it could be a leader in a group or a leader in your church, somebody who inspires you, who sets a good example. Um, includes everyone as a team, team decisions, and you don't feel like you're being managed. You feel like you're being led. You feel like somebody is coming alongside of you and guiding you and teaching you and giving you some independence and some choice so that eventually you can do it on your own. That is a leader. Leaders are different than managers. So do you see yourself being a leader in your classroom? As a teacher, are you coming alongside the kids to show them different ways to do things, to encourage them, to inspire them, to make them take ownership of their learning and make them want to learn how to do it? If we are constantly telling kids answers and telling them how to do things and what to think, that's when we're losing kids. They're not going to come along beside us. They're going to hide from us. They're going to avoid us. They're going to have a poor relationship with us most of the time. But if we approach them as leaders and we set good examples and we give them options and we let them take part in their learning, then we have buy-in. Then those kids want to come along beside us and they're even cheering us on. I have the best leader teacher (laughs) and I can't wait to go to school every day. And that makes it a much better place for you to go to school every day as well. So how do we do this? Well, you can't just, you know, tomorrow be like, hey, kids, you know what? You can lead your own learning today because I'm going to be a leader and I'm just going to be your guide on the side. No, they need systems in place. Good leaders have systems set up. So think about um, a workplace, like like a factory, an assembly line, somebody who gets hired there gets taught how to do one step, right? And then when they get really good at that, they can do it independently. And then they might get promoted. Then someone has to step in and be a leader and show them how to do the next job until they get the hang of it. And they have to step in, oh, nope, you forgot to do this. They get good at that step. Then maybe they get promoted to something harder and they have to be led again and taught again but there's systems in place. There's systems in a factory. There's systems in jobs. There's systems at McDonald's. There's systems everywhere. There's ways to do things so things can run smoothly. Now, I don't mean that I want your classroom to turn into a factory or an assembly line or a McDonald's because that is not what we want. The point is that in order to lead, you have to have systems set up. If you're not going to be micromanaging your classroom every second, you have to have some systems in place so that the students know how to do things on their own. So let's talk about that. So the most important thing to do to be able to be a facilitator, a guide on the side, a leader in your classroom as a teacher is to have systems in place. So I talked about this in the first episode of our podcast about setting up some systems where the kids can be independent. So some examples of that, teaching kids how to properly do read to self, teaching them how to properly do read to someone, word work, listen to reading, work on writing, literacy centers, right? Maybe it's math, teaching the students how math workshop works, what they're supposed to do at hands-on, what they're supposed to do if they're at their seat, what they're supposed to do if they're at technology. What are the protocols for the bathroom? Instead of every student having to raise their hand and wait for you to give them permission, we had a symbol in our classroom. The kids came over to me and showed me the toilet sign in sign language, and I just, all I had to do was nod my head. They took the pass, so we knew one student was gone on time. That was our system. So they didn't really have to interrupt me. They kind of were, but they kind of weren't. I could just keep going with my, with my learning. Most of the time, the kids at my table didn't even realize someone asked me to go to the bathroom. Cleaning and room care. Like the classroom belongs to everyone. You don't want to wait till things are terrible and then lose your cool and dump everybody's desks. Don't ever do that, please. <laughs> there are systems you can put into place like certain days, certain times of the day. Everybody has a job. What is their job? They need to know what their job is, whether it changes or their job stays the same. It's much easier for students to work in a system than to be constantly waiting for you to tell them what to do. And I don't know about you, but I like flexibility. When I'm working, I like to be able to choose what I start with first. What do I feel like doing? Instead of fighting something I don't want to do for an hour just because I'm not in the mood and don't want to do it, I could get another job done and then come back to that a little bit later. Kids like that freedom too, which is why we're really going to spend a lot of time in, in a future podcast talking about centers or stations where kids have choice but you can't give them that choice until they have systems in place some other things to have in place in order to for this to be effect uh in order for this to be effective is roles so like jobs what are their jobs in the classroom what are their responsibilities some kids should have the same responsibilities like everyone's in charge of taking care of their pencils and keeping their bucket neat or their desk neat Are there certain jobs that certain kids have, like cleaning the floors, organizing the classroom library, things like that? Does it rotate? Does the same person have the job for a month or all year long? But it gets a little deeper than that. Classroom rules and expectations. Did you do those together? Did you create the rules and the expectations? Do the students know exactly what those expectations are? You should spend a lot of time in the beginning of the year talking about those. And then what happens if those rules are broken? What are the rewards? What are the consequences? What are the steps? So that the kids know exactly what will happen. And then for group work, which is what we're really going to be digging into here soon when we get into um, guided inquiry-based learning, or inquiry-based learning, excuse me, um, jobs. When students are working in a group, what is the system of group work? How do you do that? Well, there's roles, there's a manager, the manager has a job, there's a recorder, there's a presenter, there's a reader, or whatever jobs that you decide to assign to your students depending on their age levels and and what works for you and your students. But once those systems are put into place, wow, that's when the magic can happen. And I'm telling you, you can't throw those systems all into place in one day and expect the students to work independently, and you to be able to go work with a group. This takes time. The younger the students, the longer it's going to take. Or sometimes even the older the students and the worse habits that they already have, that can take a little while too. So it is imperative to spend the first weeks of school building your systems, and your roles, and your expectations, not as a drill sergeant, but practicing them. It's the same thing as a sport. Warm-ups happen every single day till those kids can run those warm-ups by themselves. They know their drills. They know their stretches. They know their warm-ups. They didn't the first day of practice. They didn't know what you expected. But it took a while and repetitive, repetitive, repetitive muscle memory. Same thing with education. And build on little bits at a time. If you give kids too many systems at once, they will become overwhelmed and they won't remember which system goes with what. Add on a system, work on it, practice it. As you're practicing it, after a couple of days, introduce the next system and practice it while you're still building stamina in the other system. And we're going to work on these individually just like my first episode about the first day of school. Practicing, what does read to self look like? What are the expectations in the room? Not because I'm the teacher and I'm the boss and everybody has to do what I say, but if we do this, then everyone in the classroom can learn and you're not distracting others. And the student can learn at the same time. So the students need to understand why these systems are in place, how the systems work and what the rules of the system are. And then you need to practice. And same as when when I explained this in the first podcast, when students are breaking the rules of the system as you're practicing it, you have to stop. Bring them all back, have a meeting, go over those expectations again and try it again. And it's not a, oh, yep, you blew it. Oh, Johnny, Johnny wasn't reading. So sorry, guys, we all have to quit no, don't dishearten those kids. Be like, oh, you know what? We're practicing, but we're not there yet. Let's come back and discuss what happened. Let's go over our expectations again. And if there's time, you try it that day right away so that they can reinforce the the positive behaviors and, and overcome the negative behaviors, or you try it again the next day with another recap. So when you are a leader, You are teaching your students systems. You are teaching them expectations. You are teaching them roles, not as a drill sergeant, but as a, you are the leader of the pack. You are the coach of the team and you are showing them, hey, I've been here before. I've done this already. And this is what's going to work so we can all work and learn without being disturbed and make our classroom a wonderful place. I'm going to teach you how to do it. And then you're going to do it on your own. Because I'm going to be meeting with students, small groups of students, one student at a time, and everybody's going to be learning in here at the same time while we're doing our own independent and group things. And I'm telling you, it is so worth it. It is so worth setting up those systems and learning how to lead as a teacher rather than to manage your classroom. Now, some people have told me, Kim, that takes too much time. But let me tell you, how many times have you been like, oh my gosh, I've told these kids how to do this a hundred times and they still don't follow directions. Oh, you know, Sally's over there just drawing and staring out into space. She's been doing it for a half an hour. She knows she's supposed to be doing her work while I'm working with a group or, oh, I can't work with a small group. Everybody keeps interrupting me. It's just so frustrating. I can't. I can't differentiate. I can't work in small groups you probably have some other things popping in your head. I used to say these same things and teachers tell me these things all the time. I'm like, there's a better way. I I figured it out. (laughs) I don't know, I stumbled upon it by accident. But when I finally taught systems the right way and stopped micromanaging my students, magic happened. I stopped calling it my classroom. I stopped saying we were doing things my way. I stopped thinking that only I could do things the right way, that the kids would mess things up. I had to let go of a lot of things. And a side note here, I'm going to urge you, please make your classroom a place where all kids can feel like it belongs to them. I know teachers love, and I've done this before too. I got the log out of my own eye before I talked about the speck in any of yours. I would set up my classroom based on what I was interested in, whether it be flowers or little animals or camping. You need to make your room a neutral but calm and exciting place to learn. I know that many teachers are women, and I know, ladies, that you love the cute, the cute decorations and flowers and light pinky colors and not everybody. I know this only applies to some. I know it's kind of a new trend, but your boys are going to be like, ugh, there's even going to be girls who are like, ugh. You have to find a way to stop thinking of your classroom as if this is my class, this is my classroom, this is my way, this is my schedule And start looking at it as a team. You and your kiddos are a family for an entire school year. You're going to lead your team, your family. You don't want all those children depending on you every single second of every day. That's why you are exhausted, and rightfully so. That's why you are so drained. You are trying to meet the need of every kid at every minute because those kids have not been trained in systems to know how to do anything on their own. Now, you're always going to have the exceptions to the rules. I know there's those kids that can just go do whatever you ask them to and go do things independently, and that's wonderful, but they are not every child. So no matter how many of those kids you have, you need to set up your room to meet the needs of every single learner. Even if it's just that one kid, you need to have things set up so that that student can learn. Even though you have other kids who can listen to you manage them and go work on their own and do everything as you tell them when they tell them for the whole time that you tell them. When I was teaching first grade quite a few years ago, um, I had a student who needed a weighted vest and a. Um, Like a bumpy seat, I forgot what they're called, in his chair. And he wouldn't, he refused to use all the things we gave him. And they would have been so helpful for him. But he didn't want to stand out. He didn't want to be different from the other kids. And from then on, I decided, you know what? My classroom from now on is nobody's going to be singled out. No one's going to know who needs those things. I'm just going to offer things to everyone. So flexible seating is offered to everyone. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, Fidgets are offered to everyone. Um, A blanket or being able to lay down or to have something heavy on them is offered to anyone, whoever learns best that way. Being able to get up and move around the room and choose different ways to learn is offered to everyone. No one feels singled out. Therefore, kids will accept the things that work for them because they don't feel like they're different for taking them, because anybody in the class can do it. But I'm getting off on a tangent. So to close up, I want you to really reflect and think, because I was not always a leader. I was a manager for a long time. Then I dipped my toes in the leadership a little bit, and then I got a little taste of, wow, this is working better than everything else I'm doing. And then I tried to get more and more leadership. I know COVID set us spiraling backwards. Um, It took a while to get back from that. But we're in a place now where we can do this. And you don't have to start the year over. You can start fresh today. So take some time and reflect. Where in your classroom are you being a manager? Where in your classroom are you being a leader? Some kids that aren't connecting with you aren't really learning, don't seem like they're they're with you, don't seem like they're invested in their learning? Are they getting behind you as a leader? Are you showing them that you're the guide on the side and teaching them how to run their own learning? Or are you micromanaging them? So don't be disheartened. Don't be overwhelmed. What I'm really going to be focusing a lot in this podcast are lots of different ways that you can set up systems, you can set up roles, you can set up expectations so that those kids, they could run that class without you there, really. Like substitutes, I'm just like, hey, this is the schedule. The kids know what to do. Just please make sure that they're doing it. And you're going to see such wonderful, wonderful effects from this. So... It's not, Rome was not built in a day. Just be cognizant of it for now. And I will have lots more stuff coming with some tips on how you can make the transition from a manager to a leader or how you can even become a better leader as a teacher. That wraps up today's episode. Remember, if you love today's show, I'd love for you to give a review, give it a like, and share it with someone who needs it. If you want to learn more, you can follow me on Facebook, Teachers Inspiring Teachers. And I will have more info coming soon with a amazing website and some courses that you can take. I can't wait to share it with you all. Thanks for joining me.